0: Uh, it's so good to be with you this morning for a mile, um, whether you're in-house online or maybe catching this sermon sometime later during the week. Um, isn't that, it's so cool um, that we can do that. You know, back in the day, if you missed a week of church, it felt like an eternity before you got caught up again. But it's just so neat that we can stay somewhat connected even when we can't be here in person. So this morning, we're going to take a step back And we're going to look across the verses that we've been digging into the past four weeks. Why why are we going to do that? Well, because before we move on in Ephesians to some specific examples of what Paul says that we're to put off and what we're to put on instead, we want to make sure that we take a step back to reorient ourselves to the big picture. It's critical that we take the time to dig into all the words and the sentences as to you know, just really ascertain and understand what Paul is teaching. That's what we've been doing. And it's critical that we never lose sight of the forest for the trees. Ultimately, Paul is contrasting those living in darkness with those who are born again in Christ. And there is a vast difference. So with that in mind, let's turn to God's word together. has been a wake-up call for all of us. If it hasn't been, just wait until June, because Paul's going to get real nitty-gritty and all up in our business. But unfortunately, I'm afraid that far too many of us just kind of gloss over these verses way too quickly because we assume, well, that's not me anymore. I'm a believer. I've put off the old. I've put on the new. I'm good to go. But see, that's just it. Paul is exhorting those who profess belief in Jesus Christ. Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus. And Paul is addressing Four Mile Church in little old Beaver County. So obviously, this was a very real concern for them. And it's a very real concern for us. Paul wouldn't be writing any of it if it wasn't. So let's review the basics again. Over and over and over we always come back to these, the fundamentals. If we don't have these right, we don't have anything right. So we take a knee and like Vince Lombardi did with his football team year after year for who knows how many practices, gentlemen, this is a football. These are the fundamentals. So we are all born on that dark, wide path leading to eternal destruction. I don't care who you are. Every single human being is born spiritually dead in their transgressions and sins. That's exactly what we learned from Paul in chapter 2 of this same letter. And all of those words up there on the left side of the screen, futile minds, empty, perverse, devoid of truth, totally depraved, darkened in our understanding, alienated from God, ignorant and callous to sin, given over to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Those describe who and what we are before we're born again. And you may scoff at that thinking, I have never been that bad. Oh, you have. As have I. God's word says so. That describes every single one of us apart from Christ. We are rotten and destined for death in the sin that is utterly ingrained in who we are. And there is nothing that we can do on our own power to get off of that path but God. And that was one of the first of Paul's glorious but conjunctions, right? But God. Because of his incredible mercy and lavish love, by grace through faith, makes us alive in Christ. And when he does that, we are born again into a brand new life. It's not just an upgrade. It's not just improved. It is a totally and wholly different life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are washed by that drop of Christ's blood, rescued from the road that leads to destruction and placed on that narrow, well-lit path. And that happens in a moment. And that moment is called justification. It only needs to happen once. Once we have been rescued and cleansed by Christ's blood, reconciled to the Father, it is a done deal. We are marked in Christ with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's what Paul assures us of in chapter 1. But here's the thing. If you've been with us throughout our whole series through the book of Ephesians, you know that we spent a good deal of time considering this image. Virtually every human being on the planet is asking those questions on the left. We're trying to figure out who we are. What is our identity? Where did I come from? Where will I go when I die? And why am I here? Well, if we're not born again, we're trying to answer and figure all of that out with futile minds, darkened in our understanding, perverse, devoid of truth. Is there any wonder why there is so much chaos and confusion? But there it is again. When we are born again, when we are justified, we are renewed from all of that and given new life in Christ. Everything changes. And I mean everything. In him, through the power of the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit within us, our minds are made new. Our understanding is illuminated and we begin to be able to answer all those questions. We begin to learn that we have a whole new identity in Christ. And so begins our walk of sanctification. And no matter how old we are or what we do or how smart we are when we're born again... We all start out on that road as babes. But this road, it's not just one moment. It is an entire lifetime. It's day by day by day. Putting off the old and putting on the new. Walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. Because church, we need to grow up. That's exactly what Paul told us just a few verses earlier. We need to grow up, all of us becoming more and more like Christ, until one day we die and we see him face to face. Like justification, that also happens in a moment, and it's called glorification. And then our glorified selves live with him in his kingdom forever. But for now... If we are in Christ, we are in the midst of our progressive sanctification, and we've got work to do. Did you ever notice, though, that it seems like some individuals come to Christ and progress rather quickly down that path of sanctification? But then there are others who come to Christ, and their growth seems to progress much more slowly. I don't know about you, but I sure wish mine was faster. I don't want to deal with my sin anymore. I just get so sick of the fight sometimes. I get so weary of feeling like I'm just not gaining as much ground as I would like. No matter where you are on that road or that continuum, I think we can all agree that every believer can identify with the struggle to grow in sanctification in a world full of distractions out here and with hearts and minds still wrestling with sin in here. Because we have to remember, apart from Christ, our deceitful desires rule over our inner being. When we're born again it's not that we no longer have deceitful desires and we don't sin anymore. No, it's that our sin no longer rules over or controls us. We have been set free from its stranglehold on us, the stranglehold it had on our desires that are, that ruled over us when we were in sin. Best news ever. But that road is long. It's hard. And sometimes I feel like I take two steps forward just to take several back again. I ran into some quotes that were really helpful and encouraging to me as I prepared for this morning, and I hope that they will be for you as well. Martin Luther, a hugely significant figure during the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, wrote to a friend of his these words. He said, I sit here at ease, hardened, and unfeeling, alas, praying little, grieving little for the church of God, burning rather in the fierce fires, my untamed flesh. It comes to this I should be a fire in the spirit. In reality, I am a fire in the flesh with lust, laziness, idleness, sleepiness. I really can stand it no longer. Pray for me, I beg you. For in my seclusion here, I am submerged in sins. St. Augustine, who lived during the 4th and 5th centuries and also significantly influenced the church's theology, said this. He said, I was astonished that although I now loved God, I did not persist in my enjoyment of him. And then in the form of a prayer, Augustine wrote, Your beauty drew me to you, but soon I was dragged away from you, By my own weight and in dismay, I plunged again into the things of this world as though I had sensed the fragrance of the fair but was not yet able to eat of it. John Piper, an author and pastor, still alive and well today, speaks of this struggle when he writes, I was made to know and enjoy God. I was freed to pursue that knowledge concerning God and that joy with all my heart And then to my dismay, I discovered that it's not easy. God would have to transform my heart to do what a heart cannot make itself do. Namely, want what it ought to want. Only God can make the depraved heart desire God. And finally, the Apostle Paul spoke of this struggle when he wrote in Romans 7, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, what I do not want you to hear this morning is that it's okay to just kind of throw your hands up in resignation because clearly everybody struggles this way. This is just the human condition, so what are you going to do? No. What I have prayed this morning is that we would be encouraged to know that we're not alone in the struggle to progress down that well-lit path and that we would fully give ourselves to do whatever it takes to progress down that well-lit path. Because those two statements are not mutually exclusive. Just because we may struggle does not mean that we're not making progress or that we should just give up when we screw up. But listen and listen closely. Any progress that we make down that path of sanctification only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we are responsible for what is ours to do. We have work to do. We must do something. We're not passive in this process in any way, shape, or form. We don't just hope that all of a sudden, one day we'll wake up and be different. We must respond to what God has done and given to us in Christ. And then, through his power, we must work hard to live lives that are worthy of the calling that we have received. So imagine that you're 17 years old and you determine you want to be a neurosurgeon. I mean, you know that this is what you have been called and designed to do. And so you throw yourself into figuring out exactly what that's going to take. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of time. There are things that you're going to have to say no to in order to do the things you've got to do to get where you're going. But you know the end game and you are resolved to do whatever it takes, however long it takes to get there. You make a plan and you work the plan. Imagine that God convicts you that you're out of shape and you're overweight and you need to get healthy in order to glorify God by taking care of the temple that he's given you. So you throw yourself into figuring out what that's going to take. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of time. There are things you're going to have to say no to in order to do the things you have to do to get where you're going. But you know the end game. And you are resolved to do whatever it takes, however long it takes, to get there. You make a plan and you work the plan. I could keep throwing examples at you, but you get the idea, I hope. Why is it then that so many people who profess faith in Christ think that's all it takes? I've said a prayer, I come to church every now and then, I'm good. I mean, can you imagine if somebody got accepted to med school and thought that was all it took to become a top-notch surgeon? Well, what would you say to the person who wants to get strong and healthy but really only ever watches workout videos, maybe going to the gym once a month? That, that's not how that works. Church, we have got to get serious about this. Paul isn't making suggestions this is the way that it has to be. It won't be easy. It's not always going to be fun. We're not going to see results overnight. But if we have been born again and we are on that road of sanctification, Paul has laid out the plan. And now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got to work that plan. Day after day after day. And we never get a day off. Every day we've got to get up. We've got to put off our old way of thinking, our old habits, our old desires, our sin, and we've got to put on our new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness and repeat day by day by every single day. You may very well be able to identify with Martin Luther, St. Augustine, John Piper, the Apostle Paul. I know, I know that I can. There are some areas of my life, some sin sin struggles that God has given me victory over. Uh, No doubt about it, I still have to be mindful and careful for sure, but I'm so grateful that he's helped me progress down that path. But there are other areas of my life, I'm not kidding, I'm a mess. There's still stuff from my old self that is not easy to throw off. I'll give you one example. There are many examples. Pride, self-righteousness. I can quickly be critical. But I'll give you an even more specific example. One that specifically roars to life about every eight weeks or so. I'm sure you're all thinking like eight weeks? What in the world is that all about? Well, that's when I start another class and I read the syllabus And I see that I've got like five papers to write again and all of that while life is going on, right? And in David's words, diabolical anxiety takes over me. I don't know as I would have been as graphic in the description of that. Uh, No, but in all seriousness, it's probably because I don't want to admit that my sin is as putrid and gross and ugly as it is. I dip my spoon, willingly, back into that turd soup and I take a big old bite. I know that worry is sinful. I know that it makes me a liar when I say I trust God for all things and then I get all bent out of shape and worried about my stupid class at the end of the day. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I mean, perspective, Cam. The struggle is real. And worse yet, I may throw it off one day only to pick it right back up the next and decide I want to wear it again. I hate it. I hate it. And I beg God almost daily to help me hate it more. To hate my sin as much as he does. To help me put off my, my old self, my self-absorption, my anxiety, my deceitful desires a million times a day if I have to. I desperately need His help to fight my battle against sin day after day after day. And so do you. But here's a hard word. If you have professed faith in Christ, and as David says, you know, you shine a pew every Sunday, but you actually still kind of like your old life, you're still wrapped up in your old identity, if, if you're pretty comfortable in your old disgusting clothes and, and you like eating that soup, I wouldn't walk out those doors this morning without settling once and for all what you truly believe about Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross for you. Because how can we possibly be thankful for the unimaginable suffering that he endured on our behalf? How can we possibly say that we have been washed in Christ's blood, saved from our wretched sin and sinfulness, only to keep willingly living in it? No different than we were before. It doesn't make any sense because in all actuality, it's really not possible. Starting in June, David's going to begin walking through the specific sins that Paul identifies that we're to put off. And then he tells us what we're to put on in their place. Very helpful. <laughs> We've already started you know, going back and forth on all the sermons and they're hard teachings, church. I'm telling you what. Like, again, we read through them and we think, well, I don't got a problem with that. Oh, we all do. I guarantee. We've got work to do. But praise be to God. If we are born again, we can be victorious over that sin. And we can progress down that well-lit path. And as Paul writes, we can do it until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, and all for the glory of God. I want that church for every single one of us. Let's pray. God, we confess that we, uh, we kind of prefer... The sermons, the teachings, the scriptures that tell us how loved we are and and how you're just so good and and we have so many blessings in you and all of those things are true. Yes and amen. It's really hard to hear, Lord. It's really hard to see our sin. And the fact that even when we say one thing, we do another. God, we, we hate our sin. God, For those of us who are in Christ and we hate our sin, we beg you, we beg you, help us hate it more. And for those who aren't, Lord, we ask open eyes, shine your light, make it be irresistible. God, we need to be rescued. We need your grace. We need your spirit. We need your help. We want to walk down that path. We want to be more like Jesus. We long for that. We can't do it on our own. I thank you that you've given us your spirit. I thank you that you've given us each other. I thank you, God, that we can be encouraged that we're not alone. Help us, Lord. Help us to take another step today and the next day and the next day and the next. For our good and your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So for our response time, we're just gonna leave this slide up here and I wanna urge you to consider if you've been born again Are you daily doing the hard work through the power of the Holy Spirit to put off your old self, your old ways, so that you can put on true righteousness and holiness? If you're struggling, take heart. Be encouraged. It's not easy. You're not alone. But Jesus is worthy of our greatest efforts to live lives worthy of him, that are pleasing to him. If you find that you're still dressing up in the putrid clothes of sin every day, living according to your old identity, and you're not all that mad about it, perhaps you've never been born again. But today is the day of salvation. May every single one of us humble ourselves before the Lord in this word this morning. And may we respond to the conviction, counsel, and comfort that the Holy Spirit so graciously gives us. Let's do that.